I love you. All right. Open your Bibles to Matthew 5 9. Uh, before we um, get into the Bible, real quick, I just um, I don't normally do this because it's not my thing. Um, but I just um, feel pretty strongly from uh, from the Lord this morning um, that just wants to tell probably all of you, but just maybe one of you or two of you in uh, a more specific way, um, that the Lord loves you not just like a little bit, but but a lot. Um, Ephesians um, 1 says that he has lavished his love upon us, and um, so that's not like sprinkled his love on us or, or just given, you know what I mean? Like he has lavished, so probably for everyone needs to hear that this morning, but I just Maybe one or two people just really highlighting that from the Lord this morning. That he loves you not just a little bit, but a whole lot. And, and, and he has a, you know, a bloody sun and a bloody cross and an empty tomb um, proving that. So I don't know. Take it or leave it, whatever. Um, but Pastor Mark, I'll take it. Yeah. All right, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This is God's word. So, uh, in my view, this beatitude, uh, along with being merciful from a couple weeks ago and next week uh, being persecuted and hated and all that stuff, this one, in my view, like those two, uh, is the hardest because I think this one, like those two, grinds on our flesh and grinds on our sinful desires more in a more intense way than the rest, okay? All of the Sermon on the Mount grinds on us in that way. Um, I've been talking to a couple people as we're working through this, and over and over and over, it's like, man, the Sermon on the Mount is kicking my rear, okay? It's just, it's, it's not a fun section of Scripture. It's, it's, uh, it's horrible, okay? And, but this one, I think, walking as, as God's children in peacemaking is hard, and it's difficult, and it's complex. And I think the reason that this one is more complex maybe than the other ones is because the call to peacemaking, to being a peacemaker, uh, is a narrow road. And on a narrow road, there's two deep ditches on, on either side. And it's easy to end up in either one. And the first one that uh, is more dangerous for if you have a personality like I do is to, to fall into a, a ditch of, of dominating. Okay, of bringing peace by um, might. Okay, and again, you might have a personality similar to that. So this person, this side of the ditch, the second you see something that's not peace, all right, that's not right, that's not the Lord's shalom for uh, those people or that situation, you bring the hammer to make peace. Okay. And you could be right about bringing peace, um, but if that action is taken, or if that word is said that needs to be said, but it's done not with a pure heart like last week, okay, blessed are the pure in heart, they'll, they'll see God, but instead it's done with like a desire to dominate and just to fix the thing and, and win, okay, win, uh, that's not peacemaking, that's just an ego trip. That's all it is, okay? The action could be totally right, but if the heart is not pure in it, you're just an egomaniac, okay? And you need everyone to conform to you, and you are the arm of the Lord, okay? So that might not be most of you. The one that I, the other ditch that I think is more prevalent for us is, and one I think most churches are familiar with, is to refuse peacemaking and instead uh, embrace a sort of peacekeeping, or to say it another way, uh, embrace keeping a, a false peace, okay? The more dangerous ditch, I think, is simply ignoring conflict, okay? So whether that's between others, okay? So, I, you know, I know Gloria and Karen are at each other's throats over... Um, 
you know, what thread color they're using. <laughs> they're not here, so we pick on them. All right. I know that's going on. Praise God, though. It's not my business. I'll just keep the peace over here. Blessed am I, a peacemaker. Okay? I'm not getting into the thing. Or if you have an issue between you and another person, okay? I know that person has an issue with me. Uh, I'm just not going to deal with it. We'll keep pretending everything's okay. Come to worship, sing songs, sit, you know, far apart. <laughs> Pray and, and go home and try not to think about it. Blessed am I, a peacemaker. I'll be called the son of God. Okay, I think that is the more dangerous ditch. Okay, Not so much that we dominate, that we just act like nothing's going on. In either instance, the main goal is just to make sure we don't want anything to get tense. And so we walk around ignoring and skirting real problems just to keep everyone happy or at least give everyone a veneer of happiness. Like things look okay, but we know they're not okay and we're that's fine. Right? That's, that's the goal um, for that one. And again, a lot of that stems from personality. I just don't like conflict, so I'm not going to mess with it, all right? Tyler's a highway patrolman. That's not really an option for you, is it, man? <laughs> yeah, I got to deal with this, okay? So some of that's personality, but two, I think some of it, I want to give this caveat before we get into the rest of it. Some of that, just not getting into it, can be wisdom and discernment from the Holy Spirit, okay? Like, there can be an issue, and the Spirit can just say, hey, don't touch it. <laughs> Most of the time, though, it's we're just cowards, and we're just being sinful and not obeying Jesus' call to peacemaking and to carry in our bodies a ministry of reconciliation. So between those two ditches of domination and, and passivity runs this narrow road of true peacemaking. And true peacemaking, regardless of our personality type, calls us to be workers of peace and to be workers for peace. This marks the children of God. A peacemaker is a person who gets into the middle of a conflict and risks themselves in order to demonstrate what God is like. Okay? Last week, the Sermon on the Mount was God's mirror. God's saying, be merciful because he is merciful, okay? God's calling us to be peacemakers because he himself is a peacemaker. So those sons of God, daughters, led by the Spirit of God, step into difficulties to make peace. Sons of God walk as ministers of reconciliation, and Jesus calls them blessed, okay? So to flesh that idea out, I have, I have three points. One, peacemakers have been reconciled to God. Two, peacemakers preach that reconciliation of God to others. And then the third one's the hardest, is that we actually model this reconciliation for the world to see. So first, to be a peacemaker, you must be at peace with God, okay? You have to have peace with God. Colossians 1, 18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, the, the assembly of the righteous. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. We could just chill here for the rest of Sunday and it would be wonderful. But we're not doing that. We'll keep going. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Okay? whether in heaven or on the earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So God's plan of salvation, right? His, his plan to restore all things, to make new the heavens and make new the earth and make new our bodies and, and world with resurrected people living on it to never die again and end the warfare of his people was done through the cross. Okay? The cross is God's offer of peace to his enemies. All right? The cross is an olive branch. Okay? Now, the day of the Lord is God's to bring whenever he wants to bring it. 
Okay, Adam thought he would see it. Enoch thought he would see it, right? Jude quotes Enoch, and Enoch's seven generations removed from Adam and says, yeah, any minute now he's going to split the sky with legions of angels and bring fire on the ungodly, right? That's Enoch. That's way, way back. Noah then sees a picture of it, doesn't he? Right in, in the New Testament, when all the apostles are talking about the day of the Lord and, and God bringing final judgment on the earth, who do they talk about? Noah, right? Noah. Okay, guys, so in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 6, all right, the wickedness of man was increasing and covering the earth, and God was sorry that he made man, and so God flooded the earth in judgment so that he might purge it and restore it. You guys know that story? There was a really big boat and animals came onto it. Okay? Alright. It's a good story. We, we're teaching it over here. We'll start teaching it here too. Okay? That is the picture of the day of the Lord. Whenever the apostles are talking about the day of the Lord, God's final punishment on the earth to cleanse it from unrighteousness and bring in everlasting, cleanse it from unrighteousness, bring in everlasting rights. They talk about the flood. Noah saw it. Okay? Noah was there. Noah rode the thing out. And that is God's to bring at any time he wants to. But he has not brought that yet. God is going to bring peace to the earth. God is going to shake like, like a, a, a garment. He's going to shake out the wicked principalities and powers in the heaven. Shake them to the earth to never enter the heavens again. And cast them into a lake of fire to perish. He's going to do that. And when he does that, peace will cover the earth. Okay? And everyone who has joined in with those wicked powers and principalities, they also get thrown into a lake of fire to never hurt the earth again, to never hurt God's children again. But before that day, before God makes all things new, he's offering amnesty. Okay? This is the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. They're going to receive mercy by the peace of the cross. God's saying, look, ultimately sin will be punished and real lasting peace will be the fruit of that. Okay? God can actually bring peace by might because he's perfectly just and perfectly wise. We bring peace by might. It, you know, it never actually works. It works for a little bit. I'm glad we stopped Hitler. Did that stop all the wars? No. Is that a good thing? Yeah, you got to stop the guy. But eventually the heart of man just going to roll back up and do it again. When God brings ultimate peace and his perfect wisdom and his perfect justice and his perfect love, it's going to be lasting and final forever. And that's why we say, Maranatha, come Lord, do it again. Okay? Do what you said you would do. But before that day, before God brings peace to the earth, if you repent of your sin and you'll trust in what Christ has done, if you'll believe that his crucifixion was for your sins and his death was for your death and his resurrection was to guarantee and secure and prove to you and say, I'm actually going to raise the dead on that day and believe that that was for you, you'll actually be reconciled to God now and inherit eternal life then. Okay? That's the cross. That, that, that's what he's saying. This is why Paul can write Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God <laughs> through our Lord Jesus Christ. Act Like right now, you can have peace with God through faith. Not through something you did, through faith. And so Paul keeps going in Colossians 1. And you, who were once alienated... And hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, so God's enemies, right? Rebels against God. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's what the cross is for, to present you that way, if indeed you continue in the faith. Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. 
So it really matters what gospel you heard. <laughs> kind of a big deal, right? Because holding fast to that, putting all of your hope in that, it's going to cause you to be presented before him blameless and holy. So by setting our hopes and, and all of our life on what Jesus has done in the past, the blood of his cross, right? You weren't there for that, right? Some of you are old, but not that old, right? <laughs> setting our hopes on that. That event, 2,000-ish years ago, a real man on a real cross, on a real hill, in a real tomb, okay? And on what God will do in the future, present us before the Father, holy and blameless, like without reproach, which if you know yourself, is just like, I can barely believe that. Hope in that day, we have peace with God, if that's where you put your hope, if that's where you put your faith. We've been reconciled to Him by the blood of of the cross. Which is why we Christians sing so dang much. Right? That's why we laugh and sing and eat and pray. And like that's that because it's really good news. Okay? And in all of that, you see God's heart for peace. Like the, the deepest desire of God's heart is not that people go to a lake of fire. Right? He's not like doing the Adam and Eve thing and, you know, God knows all things and watching Adam and Eve do the thing and like, I love this part. This is going to be great. No. God hates it. God is the peacemaker. This is his heart. Okay? So therefore, in view of our peace with God, peacemakers now preach in such a way that others will be reconciled to him as well. Right? It's just basic, not complicated. We've received peace with God. Now we preach that peace to others. So Paul uh, writes to uh, the Corinthians, all this is from God. So everything I just said there. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Praise God. Yay, there's a fountain filled with blood. Wash us all clean. You know. Man, that third song rings every time we sing that. I just go up to glory every every time. Okay? <laughs> Who Christ reconciled us to himself and, okay, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what God has done for you, he's now given us to give. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, his enemies to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the ministry of the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. This message coming, you know, <laughs> this is so cool. I'm sorry. I just real. this is happy stuff. Through Christ, God has made peace with us, his enemies. Okay. I mean, if you have if you have a, a, an older brother or just if you you know have ever been in a fight and they they totally deserve to hit you and they don't that's like good news like oh I deserve that and you didn't you showed mercy in that way now also through Christ through receiving this mercy we now become ministers of reconciliation okay so to quote uh, Amanda think about that right <laughs> think about that. We have the ministry, all of us, of announcing God's peace through the cross to the world. Yeah. Right? And, and like what an honor this is. What an honor. God's entrusted us with his ministry, verse 18. God's entrusted us with his message, verse 19. God has authorized us as ambassadors, verse 20. And then chapter 6, verse 1 of Corinthians here says that we're working together with him. In this ministry of reconciliation. And so I'm, you know, more pessimistic than most of you, I think. 
Some of you are far more pessimistic than I am, but (laughs) I'm reading that and I'm thinking, God, you are an idiot. Okay? Now I know what Timothy wrote, God is all wise, right? Immortal, sovereign, powerful. I know that. I know what it says. But if if God is picking his dodgeball team here, picking the people to represent him on the field, you would have to agree if you know yourself and the person sitting next to you. That he chose poorly, right? <laughs> like, if you know yourself, you're saying, God, you should find better ambassadors. You, you should have just uh, chosen the angels to entrust, to entrust this ministry because we're obviously not qualified. We have 6,000 years of human history that says we're not qualified. And then just to bring it into the present, like, I'm too shy, right? I'm too nervous, I don't know what to say, I don't have the time. What if I get a question asked that I don't know and any other excuse we want to use for not announcing this reconciliation to others? But Paul's saying, I'm saying, God didn't choose angels as his ambassadors, he chose you. Okay? With, and, and with everything you know about yourself, God still's like... I'm going to use those people, Tonkwa, Oklahoma, who have received peace with me, who have laid down their guns and said, you are Lord, I, I am not. I want to use them to announce this reconciliation and the peace of God to the world. Again, you can question God and be like, oh. This is what's happened, though. Okay, so how do we do that? He keeps writing, we implore you, people, on behalf of Christ... So that's what an ambassador does, right? On behalf of someone else speaks. On behalf of Christ, we implore you, be reconciled to God. That's the message. Be reconciled to God, which means presently we're giving them bad news. You are not reconciled to God. You're an enemy of God, which people love to hear. You know, Thanks, man. <laughs> Our first role as peacemakers is to tell the world to be reconciled to God, to tell the world that at present they are at enmity with God. And we do so not on our own authority, which is such good news. We do so on behalf of Christ as his ambassadors entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, so I just want to give you, take a, a, a evangelistic load off of your shoulders. Okay, the, the, one of the best books I've ever read on pastoring. Okay, he, he describes all of his ministry as a, being a sheepdog. Okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the sheepdog is just totally not really responsible for anything. He just does what the master says to do. Right? Without consequences. Like, okay, go do this, go do this. And they, okay? And they, and they go do it. And that's been really helpful for me, like in the last seven years. Like, I don't want to do that. And then I'll, you're a sheepdog. You don't really get a say, man. Go over there and do it, and then go do the next thing, and then go do the next thing, and leave the results to the master. Right? He'll, you know, he, he's actually on the tractor doing the farm. He's actually, you just go round them up and do the right thing. Okay? I'm an ambassador. I'm not, you know, you're an ambassador. You're not in charge. You, you've, just, you've just got the message. Okay? So we tell them the bad news, but then we tell them the good news, that even though they've walked, like all of such were some of you, he says, that even though we've walked in ignorance and walked in in apathy and and walked in, in maybe outright rejection of God, Paul keeps writing, verse 21, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be made sin on our behalf in order that we might become the righteousness of God. We tell, like, wow, working together with him then in view of that, we appeal to you. We make an appeal. We persuade. 
not to receive the grace of God in vain. Okay? Like if the grace of God is, is a, a, a um, what do dogs, um, a fire hydrant, okay? We're, and it's on, right? That, I mean, that's what this age is defined by. And that's on. We said, don't put, a, put, don't put on a raincoat. Man, don't receive the grace of God that we're imploring you. This peace of God, don't receive it in vain. So peace between God and man, which we've received only through the cross, we now implore others to receive. We tell people that by trusting in the cross, God won't count their sin against them. We tell them that God is offering you peace. We tell people that by the grace, by grace alone, you, with all of your junk and all of your sin, you can actually be reconciled to God. And as people who have received that, like, we're really convinced of that. <laughs> you can actually have peace with God and actually be presented before Him without spot, without wrinkle, holy and above reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel you heard. Peacemakers are ministers of reconciliation. The reconciliation that we've received, we announce. Okay? It's not super complicated. And so what I, I want to encourage everyone to do this um, in, in, in three ways, okay? And first, pray. Choose a person. Okay, ask God, who do you, who do you want me to share with this with? And then go and do that in one of the most uh, effective ways that I've uh, been able to do this one-on-one is... Um, so I'm, a, I'm not a complicated person. I can follow instructions, okay? So I, this is a book called One-to-One Bible Reading, a simple guide for every Christian to do what? Read the Bible one-on-one with people. So I just took this thing, and I followed the instructions in it, and I have shared the gospel with way more people than I ever have in the previous you know 20-whatever years before I read it. Not because it's the inspired word of God. It's just common sense. Okay, so we have copies of these. If you want to share the gospel with people and learn how to do that over long term, I think I have three over there because people are taking them and using them. That's awesome. Then maybe some um, in the back. You're an ambassador of the Lord. You're a minister of reconciliation. This is, this is not the only way by any means, but it's an easy way to share the gospel with people. So so um, do that. And, and uh, mm, I'm not going to do the other two. Okay, tell people about Jesus. That's an easy way to do it. Okay. Third thing. Okay. What I have said so far is not like difficult mentally to grasp. Right? We have peace with God. Tell people about that. Okay. Third part though is hard. Peacemakers model God's reconciliation for others. Okay. We actually have to put this thing on display. Modeling peacemaking requires doing. And just like Jesus, that doing requires a cross. Okay. What I mean is peacemaking is going to hurt. And peacemaking might kill you, and you still have to do it. Being a peacemaker means more than singing about a cross, though we sing about a cross, and that's wonderful. It means more than listening about a cross. I hope you're hearing about it every single week. But, but peacemaking really means carrying a cross. Peacemaking requires dying. This is what it costs to be a peacemaker. And so the third part of being a peacemaker means that we don't just preach God's reconciling love to sinners. We practice And we model that reconciling love. So in our churches, especially in our churches, first in our churches, we have to do Psalm 34 that Amanda read and seek peace and pursue it. Okay? To run after it intentionally going to reconcile and forgive. We don't do the passive ditch. 
We just don't do it. We, we refuse to go there when we know there's not peace. It is cowardly and it is unloving to know that there is an ought against your brother and against your sister and just not do anything about it, okay? And not bring it to light. It's cowardly. Speaking as a coward to cowards, I know. This is what we do. If someone has wronged you and you decide just not to deal with it because it might get tense and difficult and and you might not be received well and feelings might get hurt initially, you're actually, depending on the, the, the extent of the offense, you're actually participating in that person's slow march towards hell. Okay? That, that, I mean, that's the extreme sense of it. They might not know what they've done or said is sinful. And they might just keep doing it to other people because they did it to you. And you didn't say anything, so it must be all right because you're a Christian. Like, oh, this is fine. I guess I'll do it again and do it again and, and do it again. Okay, if we're offended, we seek peace. We act as peacemakers first among one another. Okay, and so I, you know, I... I I've been here since 2004, okay? Been doing this since 2015, and really, guys, really have been blessed here, okay? But I got a lot of books about other churches that they have horror stories. We haven't had horror stories, you know, real bad ones. And I praise God for that, that we have peace of God, okay? But back to the previous point, this is one of the primary ways that we can act as ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation because the world is going to know that we are followers of Jesus. How? By how we ignore conflict. Those are the Jesus people, all right? <laughs> by how we act like everything's okay. But the whole town knows this family sits over here, uh, that sits over here, hates this family that sits over here. Obviously hypothetical, okay? The means are looking over here at the Langstons like, oh. <laughs> No, that's not how the world knows that we belong to Jesus. Jesus said the world is going to know those who are his by how they love one another, which is the prerequisite for peacemaking, right? Because it's pure heart. We do these things in a pure heart, you know, not, not to win, but to actually love one another and go low and serve one another, okay? The, the world is going to know those who are his by how his kids pursue peace with one another. Does that make sense? I mean, is that just really clear? So I, um, this was several years ago, but it was so shocking. I had to stop my car and, and write down what I'd heard. I heard a, a, a radio uh, sermon, a snippet of it, and the preacher's giving an impassioned plea for their new um, building project, okay? Which we've raised a lot of money, by the way. Good job. Let's keep doing it. Um, and he, he's just, the guy's just going for it, okay? He's shouting and he's got the preacher spit going. Okay, you know, it's there. You just go with it. Um, and he's telling them how state-of-the-art this building would be. And how relevant it would be. And how effective and, and beautiful this building would be. And then the, the, like the cherry on top moment of the sermon, right? Or uh, of his plea. Like the climax moment. He says this. And I stopped the car and wrote this down because I couldn't believe it. He said this. And this new building matters because it's going to show lost people who we really are. And it's going to show them we're relevant. And it's going to show them we care. And it's going to show them we're not out of date or out of times. And it's going to show them that we're full of love. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And stopped the car. Pulled over. And I was like, no way. And I want to be charitable to the man as someone who makes a living of saying dumb stuff sometimes out loud. Not on the radio. 
I just say dumb stuff here and you guys love me and we move on. But so I want to be charitable. But man, I was, I was sitting there in my car and I thought this based on this again, he could be, you know, that could be five seconds where he was an idiot. And I don't want to make that my whole judgment of him. But I thought he thinks they will know we are his disciples by our building. And I just lump just common sense, guys, you know this, like human beings have seen buildings before. Right? right. You know, there's beautiful ones all over Europe, uh, either with no one in them or unbelievers in them. You know what I mean? Like people are well aware what concrete is. Right? You know what concrete is. They've ridden an elevator before. It's not like, oh my gosh. Okay, now you put an escalator in your church. (laughs) People might take notice. (laughs) But people have seen buildings before. It's just not, it's just not Jesus' strategy. But I'll tell you what the world has not seen. They have not seen offended parties make peace for the sake of love. They just haven't. They've seen offended parties make peace for financial gain. They've seen offended parties make make peace for, you know, in in wartime stuff, just to like, let's just chill for a little bit. Not because we love each other. We still hate each other, but we're running out of money to fund this thing, so we're going to stop for a little bit. Okay? The world has seen that. The world has not seen offended parties make peace for the sake of love. They haven't seen that. They haven't experienced that. They've seen and they, they've, they've seen church people get offended and not say anything and take their ball and go home. Right? That's that movie has played and played and played and played many times. Many times. They have not seen someone be grievously offended or offend another person and either through another peacemaker in the body or of their own volition go and make peace and step into the fray and fueled by God's love and fueled by a pure heart and not a desire to win an argument but a desire to win a brother make peace they have not seen that so build your building but if you're not going to be peacemakers it's not going to show the world what God is like we're not going to act as ambassadors because we got a building I'm sorry to pick on this guy. It's like, whoa. (laughs) Like that, they have not seen that. But as ambassadors and those entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation and the ministry of peacemaking, I'm saying, Jesus is saying, Paul is saying, they can see that. You Like, we can actually show people, look, here's how this idiot messed up and hurt this idiot, and here's how the love of God brought them together. Right? And they might still be idiots, and they might do it again, but by the grace of God, and by thinking about the peace that God has made with us on the cross, we're just going to keep making peace, and 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 then the Lord will come, raise up our bodies, and we'll stop being idiots. Maranatha, Lord. I want to stop being an idiot. Okay? The building's not impressive, sacrificial, costly peacemaking is. Okay? This is why I think Jesus goes on to say that peacemakers will be called sons of God. In making peace at great cost to themselves, they're acting like their father. Right? Born of Max, I start to look like Max. Okay? Born of God, I start to look like God. Colossians 3.13, bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive how? 
as the Lord forgave you, make peace, Hal, as the Lord has made peace with you. So, beloved, if you want to show the world what God is like and be a minister of reconciliation, be a peacemaker, okay? So let's not do the offense thing anymore. Let's do the reconciliation thing. Let's not, when we're offended or, or, or caught in our own offense, let's own it and forgive and make peace. And if we can't make peace, right? Because this is a thing too. If you if, if you are doing, if you're trying to be obedient to Jesus and step into the fray with a heart of love and it's not working out and your, your aims are shunned, I'm saying still live at peace. Okay? You're not off the hook because your peace isn't reciprocated. Romans 12. Romans 12. If possible, so far as it depends on you, you be at peace with all men. Okay? Which means if you can't control the other person, you can't control how they react, you can't control what they say. But on your end, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all people and walk without offense and walk in forgiveness. Regardless of what the other party is doing. And that's the hard thing, okay? It is such a wonderful story to make peace and both parties make peace, but that's not always how it works out, right? On this side of glory. If you're a son of God and an ambassador of reconciliation, you live at peace with all people. And we can show this to the world, guys. We have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, like bubbling up in here and our bodies aren't exploding, which I think is cool. Okay, last thing here. Like every beatitude, Jesus pushes them to their ultimate eschatological end, right? Pushes them. We want to walk in them now. We want to live as in the daytime, okay? Night's about far gone. We want to live as in the daytime. So the poor in spirit, they get the kingdom. The mourners, they're comforted in the age to come. The meek inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are going to get it. Law's going to go forth from Zion and glory's going to cover the earth. The merciful receive mercy at the judgment, the pure in heart see God. And the peacemakers, those called sons of God, y'all, they come up out of the dirt. Okay, Romans 8. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of who? The sons of God, who Jesus says are the peacemakers. Okay? So those who've walked in peacemaking in this age, the whole cosmos is longing for the day when the peacemakers are raised up from the dirt. Verse 20, for creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, right? Genesis 3, God cursed the ground. But because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of who? The children of God, the sons of God, the peacemakers. Jesus told us that's who that is. Verse 22, for we know the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as who? Sons. Okay. And, and what is the adoption? Coming up out of the dirt, guys. <laughs> for in this hope, Lord, blessing and honor and peace on those kids. <laughs> Verse 24. For in this hope, what hope? The redemption of our bodies, the resurrection of the dead. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. Because our bodies are still decaying, right? Okay, hope that's seen is not hope. For who hopes what he sees? But if we... Hope for what we do not see, bodies come up out of the dirt, we wait for it with patience. 
So those who walk out this thing in love, those who walk this thing out as in peace and reconciliation will, at the resurrection, be revealed, obtain the freedom from their bondage, right, this body of death, and receive their adoptive inheritance, the redemption of their bodies. That sounds like blessing to me. Let's pray.